Hi everyone, this is Misha. Today on the pod, Chad and Clint discuss the worthlessness of in-service days, the lengths our society is willing to go to keep school secure, and the meaning of life in Dad Chat. Okay, enjoy the episode. Hello everyone, this is Chad in Roanoke, Virginia. And this is Clint in Astoria, Oregon. April Fools! Ha <laughs> ha, gotcha! We aren't really in those places. We're in the other places that the other person said they were in, but really, that's where we are. What? Uh, <laughs> I'm not really sure. Uh, here's what we are sure about. This is School Jet. The podcast where two middle-aged teachers, dads, and hipster doofuses talk across the country about their combined 30-plus years of education experiences. And we also talk about poop, but not on the podcast. That's our private talk. The goal is to make a podcast that teachers and anyone else tell your friends find as fun and interesting as after-school detention. Are you kidding? That is really boring. Well, for the kids it is, but for teachers it's a chance to sit quietly, nobody bothers you, and you can Tetris to your heart's content. (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. Clint, what is the most pointless part of your job? Oh, that is easy. It's paperwork. Yeah, but most of that paperwork is actually pretty important. Oh, I thought you meant annoying and awful, which is the (laughs) definition of paperwork. I was thinking of something else entirely. In-service days. Yeah, I really should have thought of that. Here in Virginia, we call them PD days or professional development days. They're totally pointless and super annoying. I've got some reasons why. Would you like to hear my reasons? Ah, please. Students get the day off. We don't. Boo. Lame. No time to get any work that actually matters to us done, like getting caught up with grading or getting some lesson plans written out or just hanging out and BSing with your friends. Don't get to do that. The presentations oftentimes don't relate to what we actually do. It always made me laugh when the PE teachers are stuck in a room with like learning literacy techniques, watching people's eyes roll into the back of their heads. The technology that the presenters bring never works. It's never compatible with anything anybody has. Generally, the presenters are just bad at being teachers. Uh, they do all the things that you're not supposed to do. Even if their presentations are about good teaching techniques, a lot of times they will even say, like, this isn't a great example. Right. Here's a lecture with a PowerPoint that goes on for days and you never move. Also, teachers are just the worst audience members ever. We critique everything. We do every bad habit that our kids do. I think we kind of like absorb the bad habits from our kids like a sponge and then we wring it all out on the in-service presenters. It's actually kind of fun to do that. So maybe it's not so bad. So today for our opening segment, uh, we're going to discuss in-service disservice or how I learned to stop worrying and love PD days. Let's each share our worst PD experience. Why don't you go first? Ah, All right. So first, before I share my story, in 16 years, we've done so many of these, and most of them are so forgettable. When you first brought up this idea, I I literally couldn't think of anything, and that is a reflection on probably how bad they are. The second thing I want to throw out there is never, ever, ever should you start a school year with any sort of PD or in-service about student misbehavior or dealing with behavior. That just starts a year off on the wrong foot. You know, you just get together with your staff, you maybe have a breakfast and you're getting the year going and within an hour of your school year, you're already talking about misbehavior. But that is not my worst experience. So at my previous school years ago, one of my very first years teaching, we had a presenter come and did a presentation about utilizing music in your lessons. And you know, it sounds kind of cool, pretty intriguing. 
intriguing. Um, this was you know, right when like MP3s and maybe even like the first iPod was coming out. So this guy, if I described like what I would imagine like a middle-aged salsa teacher, he had like a ponytail and like a pencil-thin mustache. Mm. Sexy. I still remember like this bright red shirt. I'd like to tell you it was like buttoned halfway down, like unbuttoned halfway down, but I'm pretty sure he was wearing a tie. That's how um, I'm imagining it. In my mind, like, you know, it's been a few years. That's that's how I imagine it. But he did this whole presentation where he just kept playing songs. But the funny thing about it was the, the presentation was really fun and it was really engaging. And I remember all of us being like, oh, that was really cool. And then it's just like the very next day when we all got back together, it just kind of hit everyone that no one had any idea how they were going to actually use that in their classroom. It was a ton of fluff and it was something that sounded great. And I'm sure when the, the district uh, paid the money to bring them in, it all sounded like, oh, this would be really cool. But it was so unapplicable to almost everyone. I think I might pay money to watch ponytail, pencil thin mustache, half unbuttoned shirt guy dance about. That sounds actually kind of great. I don't know how I would use it. Right. And that was the hard part. Well, mine actually comes from my very first day on the job at Astoria High School and the whole district was there and we, you know, had the normal introductions of people and all of that. And I remember because I was brand new, I was, I got called out by our principal and that was embarrassing. And then we all went into the gym area for our in-service presentation from the Pikes Place fish market in Seattle. There wasn't enough chairs, and so I sat on the gym floor, crisscross applesauce, like a child, and we listened to these people tell us all about how you needed to be very enthusiastic with your job. I don't know if you've ever been to the Pikes market, but they like to throw fish around and yell things about the fish. I don't know, it felt more like a corporate thing than a teacher thing, but they were talking about all of this stuff about how you have to be excited and enthusiastic, and then they threw fish around to people in the gym if they could answer questions. Stuffed fish, they were like plushies. And the whole time we were just super confused, and I think the only person that was excited was the fish bio teacher, Lee Kane, because he <laughs> just was gathering all these plushed toys for his classroom. It was so weird, and... I have no idea really what we were supposed to get out of it. It was just ridiculous. And the, when we were done, all the teachers were looking at each other like they paid these people probably a tidy sum to come down here and do this thing for us that made no sense. And that was my introduction to being a paid educator. I know administration means well, but uh, these in-service days would sometimes be way better as teacher work days. Somebody needs to let them know. Maybe those people that want, could let them know could be our listeners. Share with us your worst in-service disservice at our email address, schooledyoupodcast at gmail.com, and we might just share your story in a future episode. And now let's hear from one of our sponsors. Question. What smells worse than a freshman boy with B.O.? If you answered an onion sandwich, you're wrong. Those smell exactly the same. The real answer is the bane of teachers everywhere. Axe Body Spray. We've all been there. A sweaty teenager enters the classroom right after a vigorous game of dodgeball in the gym. With no time to shower, the hapless teen proceeds to mask his foul stench with a giant cloud of axe. Immediately, you start sneezing and tearing up, almost like the time you got hit with tear gas while celebrating an Eagles or Red Sox victory by destroying the town you live in. All you want to do is leave, but your class must go on. What can be done? Quite a lot, actually. Open a window. Fan your door. Take a deep breath in the hall, run in and speak for 10 seconds, then run back out and repeat. 
Or, if those solutions sound too difficult, plug in an Axe mask and flood your room with the first neutral scented air freshener. It makes the whole room smell like nothing. Just a normal classroom with no BO, no Axe, and no farts. Face it, they're freshmen. They're farting a lot. Get back to work in comfort and ease with Axe mask. Your fear of the freshman funk is over. All right, welcome back to the show. Chad, how do you feel about social media? Uh, I mean, it's okay, I guess. You know, most of the time it seems like a pretty big waste of everyone's time. But, you know, there's some validity to it. It can be important at times. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think it does sometimes serve a purpose, but most of the time kind of a waste. Uh, But the other day I was mindlessly scrolling through Twitter when I came across something kind of insane. I think I sent it to you. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the tweet from the Indiana State Teachers Association or uh, something like that. Yeah. In fact, let me pull the tweet up and, and read it to you. This is from the 21st. They were having a legislative meeting and there was a bill put out because of this incident. During an active shooter drill, four teachers at a time were taken into a room, told to crouch down and then were shot execution style with some sort of projectiles, resulting in injuries to the extent that welts appeared and blood was drawn. I mean, that's just crazy, right? Yeah, I I can't even imagine what the point of that could be. Well, I wound up doing some digging. I also wondered what was going on, and I found an uh, Indie Star article. Indie Star is an Indiana newspaper that was published on March 22nd, and it described the situation like this. An active shooter training exercise at an Indiana elementary school in January of this year left teachers with welts, bruises, and abrasions after they were shot with plastic pellets by the local sheriff's office conducting the session. The incident, acknowledged in testimony this week before state lawmakers, was confirmed by two elementary school teachers in Monticello who described an exercise in which teachers were asked by local law enforcement to kneel down against a classroom wall before being sprayed across their backs with plastic pellets without warning. Quote, they told us this is what happens if you just cower and do nothing. They shot all of us across our backs. I was hit four times. First of all, it sounds terrifying. I'd also like, as you read that, this is the first time I've heard the specifics of it. I mean, it it makes me really angry. I personally cannot understand the purpose of that. Their purpose was they wanted to make teachers more aware of the real conditions of an active shooter drill, make it more realistic so that they would take training more seriously and that they would kind of have thought things through a little bit before they went. And the idea here is that this particular training, they expect people to not just go and hide in the room, but to actively try to fight back. And so they're saying, if you just hide in your room and somebody comes in and you just cower, you're just going to get shot. So, I mean, they they had kind of an, they had an idea, but it just seems insane that they would shoot people. If that is their expectation that we want you to act like this is real, if I was really in that situation, I might be throwing things at these people. I might be swinging chairs at them. Is that what they wanted me doing? I went back to the article And it says that one of the teachers said she was waiting in the library. This is, again, a quote from the article. With her colleagues as the first small group of teachers was led into a classroom for one session. The first group went in and we heard them scream and yell, she said. We thought, what is going on? Group came back out and whispered a warning to the next group. The officers had told them not to tell their colleagues what had happened, but she still wasn't expecting what came next. It was like a quick spew of those pellets, she said. Most of us got hit several times in our backs. And so it sounds like they did not warn them. They didn't say, okay, try to defend yourselves or anything. They lined them up execution style and shot them in the back. I don't understand how you could possibly think that that's helpful to anyone. 
And I think that's that's kind of the, the point of all of this is, okay, so you're trying to replicate something, but let's go back to, I mean, I guess we're educators here, so we're always trying to look for, you know, what is the most effective way to teach somebody? That's, I guess, where I'm struggling is I'm not sure how someone is going to learn from that experience. It almost sounds like a power thing. You know, one experience that I want to share is when I was an administrator at a, in a different district, we had a speaker come and talk to the staff, and he was an ex-military, ex-police guy. You know, he presented in like fatigue and gave a very disturbing and graphic slideshow presentation. In my opinion, and a lot of my staff members' opinion, it really was based on scare tactics, and it was very much based on this could happen to you and look how bad this is and this is what you need to do. I understand that we need as much training as we can to be prepared in those kind of situations, but we did not get into this profession to be equipped and, and to be you know savvy at dealing with those things. And so I guess you can't treat teachers like you would somebody that's planning on being a police officer in the military. Most teachers are generally nurturing type people. And in that article, it, it was at an elementary school. Those of us that are teachers, if you split up at an all district training or something, and you see where the middle school teachers are and the high school teachers are and the elementary school teachers are, you can tell an elementary school teacher from a mile away because they're all being really nice to each other. And the high school teachers are all being <laughs> snarky jerks. It's a different breed of cat. And so so subjecting elementary school teachers with no warning to something like this is crazy. And I agree with you. I remember having a similar training at Astoria High School where some of the teachers, as they were walking out, were like visibly shaken and afraid to come to work. And that's not what the goal of it is or it shouldn't be. It seems like, I, I mean, I really understand how school safety is super important. Like we want to make sure that we protect our kids and protect ourselves. But it seems like a lot of this is kind of getting out of control and and ramping up in a way that I'm not 100% sure why it's doing that. You know, one of the things that, that I read about how, you know, this is actually becoming a big money thing. And um, there's a lot of companies out there that are, you know, monetizing off of training and, and products for school safety and not just like, you know, metal detectors and, and those kind of things. But I mean, I even read things like bulletproof whiteboards. My concern is that a lot of it is fear-based. I know, you know, one of our counselors here at our school who I have a ton of respect for talks often about how much are we doing to front load these issues, these school shooting issues and, and you know, working to prevent them with mental health and services and in that regard versus, you know, basically building a lot of fear and then saying, hey, now that you're super scared, pay us a bunch of money and we'll, you know, pretend to shoot you execution style. So you can I, I it's just it's 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 getting kind of crazy. One of the things that is happening right now in Virginia is we are well below the number of counselors that we are supposed to have in each school. There's supposed to be a certain ratio of teachers to counselors. Right now we have a one counselor for every 425 students, and it needs to be at least one counselor to every 250 students across all grade levels. How are they supposed to provide the services that are necessary to do this? Like we're we're putting our money into things like these very expensive bulletproof whiteboards and locking mechanisms and security and all these other items. And we're not putting the money into where I would argue it would do more good to make a more safe environment where kids don't feel the need to do what, what um, a school shooter might do. I also am curious 
I don't know if you have any any thoughts on this, but my biggest question is how effective are these drills and trainings anyway? It's kind of one of those things. I don't know if you would ever really be able to figure that out statistically. I suppose anecdotally when an event does happen and people can say, thank goodness for the training, I actually knew what to do here. You know, I think about if we were to ramp up the, the locking mechanisms of our doors and our buildings and, and if we made it to where you had to come through one door versus, you know, maybe five in a building, that might be a deterrent for somebody who otherwise would have had much easier access. I know that they have talked about that the more resistance you could give a shooter or, or somebody that means harm, the more likely they will be to just move on to something else. You know, when do we do our trainings? When our kids are in class so that we can direct them. I've never had a training where it was during a passing period or while kids are in the cafeteria or anytime where our kids are just more vulnerable. We don't train for those things. We only train for the easy stuff. I'm not saying that we need to like suddenly ramp up our training, but I just, it, it still feels a little bit like we're doing this because we're told to, not because it's actually something that we think is going to be that effective. The training I spoke of earlier about the kind of militant guy, he did have some good points. And, and one of the ones that's always kind of stuck with me is he said in military and law enforcement, you spend a lot of time playing over scenarios in their minds. And so it's not just the physical training that they do from time to time that gets them ready to, to engage in combat or whatever, but the more kind of thinking over things in your in your mind that you do, the greater likelihood that in a time of stress that you might be actually be able to carry out that that performance. And so let's face it, God forbid this ever happens, but if as teachers, if we are ever faced with something like this, the more scenario thinking that you can do, probably the better. Now the flip side of that, and this is what a lot of my staff said to me at that time, is like, I don't want to be thinking about this. And I'm not trying to be lazy and I'm not trying to like be blind to the potential reality of things, but I don't want to spend my time thinking about how I'm going to subdue or run from a killer. You know, I mean, it's a little different when you're a police officer and you know, you have chosen the work and, and you know the potential risk. And I know we are aware of these things that are happening in our country, but I don't think anyone got into teaching with the, well, you knew this could happen uh, type of mindset. Right. And one of the things that we as teachers, if we want to create an, an environment where students feel safe, it's very difficult to do that if you're constantly being suspicious of every kid and everything that they do, and you're going over the 10 different ways that you could subdue them if you needed to. I think there needs to be some balance and there needs to be some nuance to our discussions and we need to as much as I hate data I think we need to look at the facts and really own up to all right what are the statistical chances of something like this happening how much do we need to invest our time and our effort into preparing for something like that and then what can we do to enrich our students lives and to catch those kinds of problems before they happen rather than react and I think we just live in a very reactionary society and we're not doing enough to prevent and we didn't even get into the whole second amendment and guns and arming teachers and all that other stuff. There's so many different aspects to this. But I think it's important that we that we have these kinds of discussions as teachers and that we express our concerns and our thoughts about it to the administration and to the security personnel of our district so that way they know where we're coming from and they know what we can do and what we can't do. Because it's unfair to ask an untrained, gentle soul to suddenly become a warrior. It's, it's not what we got into it for. In this article that I read about all the, the changes and the monetizing of, of this fear, one thing I, I thought was kind of interesting, there was a district where a principal just got each classroom a five-gallon bucket full of rocks. <laughs> it just sits behind the teacher's desk, you know, in a bad situation. At least your students all have a bunch of rocks. <laughs> I thought that was, yeah. was kind of interesting. That would not work at my school because those rocks would be found and used. Not when you want to. <laughs> you know, I know at times it was brought up and 
and people have asked me before, um, you know, what do you think about arming teachers? And, you know, I'm not a gun person. I obviously, uh, other people are, I, I didn't grow up with guns. I don't use guns. That is not something I would ever be comfortable with. I thought you did a lot of like arm curls though. You're always going to the gun <laughs> show. Only the big guns, buddy. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not something I would ever be comfortable with. And if it ever got to a point, I mean, again, this is just my personal feelings. If if that was ever asked of us as teachers, I, I would probably find a different profession. If we were forced to do it, if we were said, this is your, this is it, then I would quit. And honestly, there are a lot of bad teachers out there, and I don't necessarily want them to have guns with my kids. <laughs> right. Well, I think we've said about all that we know about this, but what do you guys out there think about school safety training and how teachers can best prepare for the worst? Let us know on our Facebook page at School Depod or send us an email at schooldepodcast at gmail.com. But now we need to take a break for one of our fake sponsors. Hey, listeners, this is Chad. You know, schools are disgusting places, something we've documented in great detail on the show. But there's perhaps no one item in a school more disgusting than a class hall pass. Think about it. Not only is this thing touched by maybe hundreds of hands per week, but its primary purpose is to travel to and from the ultimate cesspool of filth, the bathroom. That's why I'm thrilled the good people at Trojan have developed the hall pass glove, the first single-use disposable latex hall pass cover. It's simple. The student grabs a hall pass glove from its wall-mounted dispenser, slides it over your class-issued hall pass, and simply throws it away after use. As easy as one, two, three. It's made from the same high-quality, non-permeable material Trojan is famous for. And the best part? All those nasty germs end in the trash and not crawling all over your hall pass, waiting to jump onto the next unsuspecting student. So, as flu season approaches, consider the hall pass glove for your classroom. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. It's time to top off our time together with our favorite segment. Dad, Dad Chad. Chad. It's our opportunity to tell you about our favorite things of the past couple of weeks. Chad, take it away. For Christmas, one of the gifts my wife Emily gave me was two tickets to see comedian uh, Aziz Ansari. Not that we're like big Aziz fans or anything, but we like stand-up comedy. We watch a lot of, you know, like the Netflix specials and stuff. And she had found he was coming to Portland and got me a couple tickets for Christmas. So it just a couple weeks ago was a show. And it was a Wednesday evening on a school night. On a good night, if I am up past nine, I'm living pretty crazy. You know, I got three kids and we're very busy. So having this big date for us was kind of a big deal. Had a nice trip into Portland with my wife. Honestly, Clint, it was like the first time in I can't tell you how long that Emily and I just got hours alone without kids and without all the other busy stuff going on. And as much as I love all that other stuff, it was just so nice to get to spend some time with my wife and to celebrate the arts a little bit. Go see somebody perform and just do something that we don't get to do very often. It was really cool. Aziz was great. I don't know if you follow this at all, but recently it was kind of, there was some little bit of scandal about some of his uh, dating exploits and he actually addressed it with sincerity and, and talked about that a little bit, which I really appreciated because that was kind of a, a dark cloud uh, hanging over him for a while. So anyway, it was just a lot of fun. It, you know, we talk uh, on this show about avoiding burnout and, and making sure that you're spending the right time with the right people and, and outside of work. The best part about it was Emily and I kind of realized we should do this more often. <laughs> yeah. We should take advantage of these kind of things. And anyway, that's what I want to share. Just had a really nice time. Well, yours is really sincere and kind and mine is mean. That's awesome. One of the things that I love about teaching, especially teaching high school students, is that it's really fun to mess with them sometimes and to like <laughs> prank them. Just like gentle, kind pranks, but also it's just fun to make them like a little confused. So today, our grade system, when we take attendance, has a little birthday cake that pops up when it is within the week of somebody's birthday. Yeah, so does ours. Oh, cool. 
Synergy. Yep. Uh, we hate it. <laughs> that little birthday cake popped up on one of my kids today. And he's a kid who's kind of outspoken and a little bit of a class clown. So I wanted to get back at him a little bit. And I teach freshmen and they're mostly 14 or 15 years old. And so I said, hey guys, I wanted to let you know that on Saturday, it's going to be Riley's 13th birthday. So everybody uh, wish him a happy birthday. And the kids were like, 13? You're 12? And <laughs> he, without missing a beat, was just like, yep. I'm 12. I skipped a couple grades in elementary school. And he's a tall kid. Does not appear to be younger than everybody else. <laughs> it just like looks like a normal gonna be 15 year old. And he's like, yep, that's right. And one kid was like, are you kidding me? When when were you even born? And without again, without missing a beat, he's like 2006, which I mean, it was two years from when he was right, actually right, born, right. but he didn't have to stop and think about it. He just spit it out. And probably for the next 15 minutes, the kids were like, he's not really 12, right? And I was like, well, only for one more day. And just kept it going. And I never told him. Oh, that's that he, awesome. I never told him that his actual age. But sometimes I think, you know, in those harmless little ways, it's fun to mess with the kids. It's fun to tease them and give them a little bit of a hard time. And it certainly made my day a little brighter. So maybe I'm a psychopath. I don't know. But that's my dad chat for today. Sometimes it's fun to mess with kids. And with that, we are ready to end the show. Hey, you got a question? Want to chat about in-service or school safety? We have an email address for that. Contact us at schooljapodcast at gmail.com. You can also talk to us on Facebook at SchoolJapod. Follow me on Twitter at Seahill Astoria. And you can find me on Instagram at Chatterboxes and at my new web store, Chatterboxes.com. And that lovely music you're hearing is coming from my equally lovely wife, Nikki. She's great. And don't forget about our website, SchoolJapod.com. And all our sponsors are fake. But our artwork is not... A special thank you to Corey Logan for our great cover design. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And don't forget to give us a quick rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find us. Thanks for listening. We shall see thee soon. ASMR. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Okay. Okay.